Go ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. But I'm going to start in your handout, the handout you've been given. I'm going to start with Hebrews 11, verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Do you have a a nickname? When I was younger, in my late teens, early 20s, I was... I was given the nickname Chaddish. Chaddish. Now, I don't know why I was given that nickname. I believe someone did something that maybe I usually did, and somebody looked at them and said, oh, that's so Chaddish. That's a Chaddish thing to do. And so it, it stuck with me for a long time to those in, in Dixon County. I'm cool with whatever you call me. Just don't call me late for supper. I'll be fine if you don't do that. Some of you have had nicknames or have them now. I asked on Facebook if people would mind sharing their nickname. Some of you are cool with their nicknames. Some of you hate your nicknames. Now, my mom, her nickname is Joe. Uh, My cousin, Leah, her nickname is Flossie. Some of them are funny. Uh, Sarah, she's a a say-say, but... Her uncle calls her Tata, and she hates Tata. And uh, she'll call him Tata back. Uh, Tanya Wright, her, she's Aunt Tata. I'm glad she's not here right now, Tim, because, you know, there's a website that you can go to. I'm, I'm getting your, your uh, early Christmas present for you. You can go to this website. There's an Indian motor company, you know, from India, a motor company called Tata Motors. You can buy a hat and, you know, T-shirts and everything. So you need to get Tanya a, a Tata hat. Well, I keep threatening to get my uncle a, a Tata hat for Christmas. Um, let's see, Shelby Walls, her, her nickname is Woos. It, it's it's spelt W U S C, but it, you pronounce it like moose. Woose, woose. Uh, Willie Wofford, he's Roscoe. He's been Roscoe for 47 years since Longlight, uh, since he worked there. There were too many Willies, so they had to rename, rename him. So they renamed him Roscoe. Uh, we have a Margaret in our midst. We have a Margaret, and we have a a uh, a Catherine in our midst too. Where's Catherine? Yeah, there she is. You know them as Kathy and Meg, okay? That's how you know them, all right? That's, they didn't take their real name. They've got their nickname as their real name. Uh, Doug Parks, he's not here, but he's Doogie. Doogie? Doogie or is it Dougie? Doogie? Doogie, yeah, Doogie. Diane Cox is baby sis, and her husband just got one from in Honduras. That's what they've been calling him in Honduras. They call him Chelly because he's, he was a white boy. That's the reason they called him Chelly, all right? He, he that blonde hair, that red face, yeah, Chelly. I guess that's what that means. We've got Share Bear over here, Sherry Shepherd. She's Share Bear. Bubba, did you know that Jeff Archie's a Bubba too? Down there where he's from, he's a Bubba. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Caitlin Pearson, she's Caitlin. Uh, Michael Triplett, he's the Tripster. Next time you go by, hey Tripster, what's up? Or when they were in school, he told me, Mark, that he was Big Trip and you were Little Trip. So we know that one now, too. Big trip and a little trip. Uh, Kathy Thompson's cat weed. Cat weed. 
That's a great one. Just few gates, Bud. Now, Bud, be like my mom and Joe. I don't, I don't get that one. And uh, Michael Moore, he said his was Bird Dog. <laughs> bird Dog. Brenda Thompson's Mama B. Uh, your daughter, Jan, Jan Morrow, Jan Gibson Morrow, she said her nickname was Fats, and she tries today to avoid the uncle who gave her that nickname. <laughs> Fats. I wouldn't want that one either, would you? Fats. Rahab's nickname was Rahab the harlot. The harlot. How would you like to have that nickname? Liz Curtis Higgs in her her book, Bad Girls of the Bible, says that Rahab's job was practically her last name. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the streetwalker. Rahab the call girl. The hooker. Rahab the harlot. Rahab is our focus today. And to understand what I read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, you have to journey with me to the oldest city in the world where someone who worked in one of the oldest professions in the world used one of the oldest tricks in the book and came away with one of the newest of lives. It's an amazing journey. Notice, in Joshua chapter 2, I mean, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, notice, by faith, Rahab, by faith, now faith is defined in Hebrews 11, verse 1, as the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Rahab, she didn't die like the rest of the citizens in her city of Jericho, at the battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. When, that's conditional, she didn't die like the rest of those died. When she had received, that's past tense, the spies in peace. Let's look at the story in Joshua 2. Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Joshua is the new leader of the children of Israel. They are camped at Acacia Grove, the final camping place of the children of Israel before they go into the Promised Land. During their wanderings, the children of Israel used this place, Acacia Grove, a lot for the wood. It had a specialized type of wood, Acacia wood. Acacia was used to build the Ark of the Covenant. In Exodus 25, verse 10. It's also located, as you'll see on the map, it's also located just across the river from Jericho. Joshua chooses two unnamed men and sends them out secretly. And there's two smart decisions here. Number one, these men were from the area. They were familiar with the terrain. They were familiar with the city. And number two, this was done secretly. And if you remember back 40 years before, the last time they sent spies into the land when they were knocking on the promised land, it didn't go so well, did it? You know, even though God 
gave them the promised land. Even though God told Joshua, this is yours. This is the land that I promised to Abraham. This is the land that I promised to Isaac. This is the land that I promised to Jacob. Even though he did this, this did not negate the fact that the children of Israel had some work to do. Yes, God can just give us our blessings without us doing anything for them. But He doesn't. God wants us to appreciate what we have, so we must work for it. Joy happens. Peace happens. Happiness happens. A better family. We pray for a better family. We pray for better health. We pray for our friends. We pray for our family. But even heaven itself must be worked for. We've got a we've got a uh, stinker out there filling with a lot. Joshua especially wants the city of Jericho scouted. Christian, just step right back there and make sure those lights come back on. There, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, they're on now. Good deal. Joshua especially wants the city of Jericho scouted. You can see it from across the river there. If, if you remember, uh, they had come up and there were millions of Israelites just across the river. They could be seen. There were millions of people coming to take over their land. Jericho lays claim to being the oldest city in the world. The country is watered by a natural spring. This spring is, is fed by, uh, it feeds the surrounding countryside and it makes it an oasis. Even today, the city of Jericho and the surrounding land is an oasis. It, it grows fruit and vegetables and it has shade trees and it has green things in the middle of a desert. By the time the children of Israel are ready to take the promised land, Jericho is a double-walled city. These are ruins from the city of Jericho. That was a, a tower that was built on one of the corners of the wall, the remnants of a tower. And it was a double wall. By the time Jericho is about to be taken over by the, by the children of Israel, it's a double-walled city. And with the city of, of Jericho and the city of Ai, they were the guardian of the whole promised land. Even today, the border of Israel's west bank and the country of Jordan is the Jordan River. And the main highway uh, coming from the country of Jordan to the country of Israel, it crosses the bridge right there at Jericho. Even today. And these two men, they went to Jericho and they lodged at Rahab the harlot's house. According to archaeologists, to get into any walled city of the time, a person must wait at the gate until a, a family member invited them in. Otherwise, they had to wait outside or go to the nearest public place before the actual city was gotten into. In those, the case of these two Acacia Grove boys, the clearest and easiest place to get to is Rahab's house. According to Liz Curtis Higgs, there were two, type of, two types of prostitutes during this time. There was the religious kind who worked at the Canaanite temple. And then there was the run-of-the-mill streetwalker who worked for cash. That was Rahab. She was the second kind. 
Bible archaeologists contend that her house was situated by the outer gate of Jericho. Jericho, as we've said, was a double-walled city, as you can see from this artist's rendition. The outer wall was about 15 to 18 feet high. Uh, you can see the, the children of Israel uh, marching around down at the bottom of the, of the hill there. So it was about 15 to 18 feet high from them. And this was more of a form or a retaining wall to help hold the inner wall, which, is, which was about 46 feet high from those men marching around the outside. A 46-foot high double wall. In the space in between, there in that artist's rendition, in that space in between, archaeologists say, was the low-rent district. This is the slum area. This is the trash heap. This is the red-light district. This is where Rahab would have lived. We learned in, we learned in verse 15 of J- Joshua 2 that Rahab's house was on the outer wall near the gate. And it's here that God and His providence begin something beautiful. The two spies uh, lodged there. Miss Higgs, again, she debunks the idea that the, the spies were there to buy what Rahab was selling. Higgs argues, in real life, the two men simply needed a place to hide and providentially found their way to the door of Rahab the harlot, whose roof offered the ideal vantage point for their spying assignment. Another commentator said that anyone who assumes there was immoral conduct forces their own bias on the text because it's just not there. Look at verse 2, Joshua chapter 2, verse 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. Now remember, the gate had that nifty security checkpoint. These strangers were suspected, and there was really only one place to go, Rahab's. Verse 3, so the king Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which he had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. As soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, Rahab here, she told a not all the truth, didn't she? She told a lie. Remember, the Bible simply reports Rahab's lie. She simply reports the lie. The Bible does not praise her lie. The Bible does not excuse her lie. I love what David Guzik said about this, though. He said, Rahab's lie is not justified, but it does show courage. Consider that she was a pagan sinner in a city and culture wholly given over to the worship of false gods and immorality, with no previous contact with the Word of God or the things of God. Church, what's your excuse? And so in the oldest city, the oldest profession uses the oldest trick in the book. Don't you love those Geico commercials? Don't you just love them? I love this one especially. I wish AC was here to hear this, this Geico commercial. You know that one where the, where the guy's speaking in, in kind of Shakespearean language and he opens the big book and it's the book of tricks. And he opens it to the oldest trick in the book and he says, trick number one. 
looketh over there. Ah, madest thou look, thus endeth the trick. That's exactly what Rahab does. She uses the oldest trick in the book and she says, I think they went that away. And if you go, if you can hurry, you'll catch them. Now, before they lay down, verse 8, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land, and the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have now, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. I have fallen in love with this reading. I have fallen in love with verses 8 through 13 of Joshua chapter 2. Look at verse 9. I know, she says. Rahab says, I know. She admits that I know that the Lord, and, and someone she has never known before, she now knows. God. She knows God. I know that the Lord. I know the Lord. I know God. The God of Israel is strong. He has given you the land, and all of us are afraid. About Almighty God, Job would make the stand in Job chapter 4, verse 14. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all of my bones shake. David would demand, Psalm 2, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Paul would later command, Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I know. Rahab says. Why? Verse 10, because we have heard. Heard what? How the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, whom you utterly destroyed. They heard what? What did they hear? They heard the truth. They didn't hear a misunderstanding. They didn't hear a lie. They heard the truth. The Lord did dry up the Red Sea and cause all of... Egypt's forces to be taken away. The Lord did allow Israel to totally destroy Sion and Og's armies. Credit was correctly given. The truth was believed. So what must we hear today? John chapter 8 verse 32. The truth. Not a misunderstanding because only the truth will set us free. How did they hear this? Well... Someone told them. We don't know who it is. Some implied but unnamed souls came to Jericho and told them all that God had done for His children. Do not ever think that the conversations that you have with your family or your friends, those at your work or your schools or on vacation or at the restaurant or on Facebook, don't ever think that the conversations that you have about God will not pay in big dividends down the road. 
If we speak the truth, we may never know how we've helped cultivate God's Word in the lives of others. We've got to be talking, though. We've got to be talking. Rahab cries, I know God is God. I heard what He has done. All of us in Jericho, we've heard, verse 11, and our hearts melted because of this. We don't have any more courage, she says. And that's exactly what the spies want to hear because if you look at verse 24 of chapter 2, that's exactly what they go and report to Joshua. They don't have any more courage. They're all afraid of us. Let's go take it. When we heard... This our hearts melted, said Rahab. When we heard the truth about God, when we learned who God really was, our hearts melted. You know, there seems to be a Bible pattern here. When they heard, their hearts melted. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the multitude heard they had killed Jesus, their hearts were pricked. Today, we are commanded, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, to have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Do you remember when your heart melted? Do you remember that instance when your heart melted and you knew that you had to obey? Do you remember the time? Were you like Rahab in verses 12 and 13? Were you asking for help? Like our young lady was this morning, were you asking for help? Because there was something bigger than you. But you couldn't conquer. So you asked for help. When was the last time we begged for our family and our friends to be saved from the coming wrath of God? When is the last time that you hit your knees and asked for that? Begged God for it. When was the last time we realized that God was truly God and our hearts melted? What must we hear? The truth. How must we hear the truth? Exactly like those did in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then those who gladly received His Word were baptized. They gladly received the truth. That's how we must hear the truth. That's how we must receive the truth. We must receive it gladly. We must gladly receive it. 3,000 were baptized that day. Not two weeks later, that day. Not on a more convenient day, that day. Just like Rahab wanted help right then for her family and for herself. Not when the army circled the city. That's not when she wanted help. Not when the walls fell down. That's not when she wanted help. She wanted help that day. And that's what those spies gave her. That's what Peter offered. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They heard they had killed Jesus Christ on the cross. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, this promise is for you and your children. Rahab's sweet, beautiful, terrified, mercy-seeking heart asked for help. Miss Higgs uses this quote. She quotes, First she heard the word, then she believed. This belief led to faith, which led to works. In the process, she was saved. 
Verse 14. So the men answer her, Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours by which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. And if a hand is laid on him, and, and if you tell this business of ours, then we will, free, we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in her window. In your handout, if you've got one, is a scarlet thread. Scarlet ribbon. Tear it off. Hold on to it just a minute while I talk. I put mine on my wrist. Back to Hebrews 11.31. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. By faith... Notice, Rahab, she took the spies in, she hid them, she helped them to escape, she kept the peace. What did she do to keep the peace? Not only on that day, but for the successive days after, she obeyed. They told her to tie a scarlet red cord in her window. It was the future signal that her house was not to be touched and that every ha- everyone in her house would be okay. Rahab's faith needed one more ingredient, and that ingredient that it needed was action. Notice the last sentence of verse 21. She tied the cord in the window right after they left. Not two weeks later. That would have been too late. She obeyed them then and there. You know, despite her desire, despite the promise of the spies to save her, despite her desire to be saved, if she had not tied that cord, she would have died in Joshua chapter 6. And so would her family. Today, despite your willingness to be saved... Despite my quotation of Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If one does not obey that, they will not be saved. Amen? James explains it this way in your handout. James 2, 24. You see then that a man is justified by works. And not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? 
For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I love what Liz Curtis Higgs remarks about this. James chose Rahab as a good example of someone who walked her talk, who put her feet to her spoken faith. We can go to the Bible studies, sing praise songs, and warm the pews of a church building six times a week. But if no one ever says to us, you would not believe what so-and-so did because of their love for God, then it's time to open the door of our hearts and see what brave thing the Lord is asking for us to do. Later in Joshua 6, as promised, Rahab and her family, they're saved when the walls of the oldest city come tumbling down. And Rahab, she leaves her oldest profession. She leaves her old life. And her scriptures, she receives, the scriptures bear this out. She receives a beautiful life. She receives the newest of lives. If you look in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5, she no longer is Rahab the harlot. She's Rahab the wife of Salmon, the mother of Boaz, Ruth's mother-in-law, King David's great-great-grandmother, and grandmother to Jesus Christ, our Savior. You may keep your nickname, but she went from Rahab the harlot to Rahab the woman of faith. Rahab the Savior of her family. Rahab the child of God. How? Well, she had to tie that cord. She had to tie that cord. She had to obey that scarlet cord. You know, it reminds some, as I look through the commentaries, it reminds some, the scarlet cord does, of the, of the Passover in Exodus 12 verse 13 where the blood was, was uh, smeared on the doorpost and lintel. It reminds some of that. It reminds some of the blood of Christ, how He shed that blood on the cross. But it reminds me of sin. That's what it reminds me of, sin. Blood, red, Sin. These two spies, they went back and they told the deal that they had made with Rahab. They told that deal to Joshua. And everybody that attacked that city, everybody that walked around that city, they saw that scarlet cord and they knew, hey, that's where the prostitute lives. That's where Rahab the harlot lives. Her sin was out there for everybody to see. Everyone knew she was a harlot. But everyone knew this too. Everyone knew that she wanted to change. She wanted to change. You can make a change today if you've got the courage like Rahab. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. We've all sinned. We all wear that scarlet cord. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I hope your new nickname, I hope it's Christian. Come now, Isaiah says. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come forward if you need to and obey as together we stand and sing.